What is your earliest memory of music making? I'll tell you mine. It was wandering into the den in my house growing up where my dad was playing piano or guitar or in his office and we would sing together. Or I would dance around that very same room as he played my song, which I later learned is the Alley Cat song and have since looked up the lyrics and I kid you not, they include the word Katsonova. Okay, dad. But regardless, I have these memories of really organic, joyful music making with my family. We were always singing, my dad was always creating, and my mom was always there to dance and smile and sing along with us. My earliest memories of music making in a formal setting, well, that was a little bit different. I was thinking about this a lot the other day after a call with the members inside of the Sequencing Solution, because those folks often spark thoughts and ideas that make their way onto the podcast. But the thought that I had was, how is the way that I teach music different from the way I was taught music? You're listening to the Anacrusic Podcast, episode 120, and today is all about how I teach versus how I was taught. Maleski and I've helped music teachers just like you get more intentional in their classrooms through my trainings, curriculum, and tips shared on this podcast. The truth is, teaching music is hard. You have a bunch of kids to teach and not a lot of free time to figure out how. Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated is totally normal. But here's the good news. It only takes a few simple steps to flip the script. And although it may be simple, it's definitely not easy unless you have the right toolkit. So let's start tuning and transforming your music teacher life right now. The actionable steps you need to find the purpose, follow a sequence, and choose joy are right here. This is the Anacrusic Podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to just take a hot minute and make sure that you've, number one, checked out the brand new Anacrusic website and that you've snagged your copy of The Planning Playbook, which is my brand new guide for teaching anything and everything in the music classroom. This guide gives you a complete outline for how I teach all the concepts in my classroom, all while promoting student engagement and independent musicianship. This isn't a prescribed method or something that you can only do in a face-to-face classroom, but instead it's a flexible framework that allows you to be the best teacher musician in any scenario you might find yourself teaching music to children children in. To snag your free step-by-step guide complete with examples, head to anacrusic.com slash the planning playbook. Again, that's anacrusic.com slash the planning playbook, or just click the link in the show notes. I couldn't tell you now, but back when I was in elementary school, I could definitely tell you what day was music day at school. I remember anxiously looking at the clock, unable to contain myself for music time, and consequently losing my place during our whole class read aloud. You remember those times, right? Like anxiously waiting your turn to read and praying that you didn't somehow get distracted and lose your place before it was your turn? Well, on music day, I did not stand a chance. Well, the time would finally come, and if it was wintertime, as it often is in Michigan, we would put our coats on to head outside, and then after our big polar bear rush on the playground, head to the equally cold cafeteria where the tables were stacked into the walls, and a row of benches was left for us to sit and sing and read rhythms. 
Oftentimes, the music textbooks would be waiting for us on the benches, marking the places we should sit as we filed into the cafetoriasium or whatever the smattering of cafeteria, auditorium, gymnasium was at the time. We'd open our books and we'd sing. We'd play recorder. We'd read Taz and TTs from a big piece of poster board, and we'd sing our selections from the three Billy Goats gruff as our teacher accompanied us on the clavinova. And I, of course, would pray that today would be the day that I would get to sing my solo for the upcoming Billy Goat Spectacular, complete with construction paper ears and tail. I absolutely loved music class. I loved putting on performances. I loved playing recorder. I loved it when I saw those music books sitting on the benches in that cold cafeteria because it meant we got to sing. We were going to make music. There was a great joy in that type of music making and that actual doing of music. But truth be told, that classroom looks very different from my classroom today. And it's not wrong or right, it's not good or bad, it's just different. That classroom checked the boxes for music making, for learning our notes and rhythms, and for performing. And all of those things are valid, important pieces of what every good music classroom should look like. You'll never, not once, hear me negate the importance of music literacy for all of us. But the focus of my classroom now is fluency. When I think back to that little girl who would dance to the piano and sing and play musically, when I think of my own daughter who is constantly making up songs and singing and dancing and living her own one-woman cabaret best life, I can't help but see two huge shining beacons of light. The first being the independent speaking and creating of music, and the second being the inherent joy in having full freedom to make musical choices. It's no secret that my very straight and narrow overall clear path of the performance track is a huge part of who I am and my musical upbringing, if you will. But if I think back on the most influential teachers I've had, namely my children's chorus conductor, my trumpet teachers, and yes, my own father, both in those early days and as my high school band director, those were the teachers who taught me to listen, who taught me to respond, and who taught me to create. When it comes to listening, I was not smart about this. Even in my 20s, trying to win auditions and thinking like, oh, I can play these lines and spaces and rhythms and dynamics and things. I'm embarrassed to say it now, but I didn't spend nearly enough time in the library just listening. And not listening to like particular solos or excerpts or anything that I needed to mimic or copy or figure out how to play, but listening in terms of understanding how a trumpet part fits into a larger context and the larger musical language overall. It's sort of funny when I think about it now because I'd played in bands my whole life, but I had never played in an orchestra until I got to college. And those were the types of jobs that I had my eye on. And as a wind player, a brass player, a trumpet player, it's basically a completely different language to play in an orchestra. And I just didn't listen enough. I mean, I could read the notes and rhythms. I could figure out what the music said and type it on my instrument. But as my teacher would say, I didn't know how the song goes. I just didn't have the language down. I didn't have the same type of musical vocabulary or language immersion experience that was playing in an orchestra. And the only way for me to do that was to listen more, to experience it more. And that's something I just didn't do. A lot of our kids in our classrooms don't have those memories of Katsunova or singing and playing the same way that I did or maybe you did. Many do, but I think it's safe to say that enough don't. 
And because of that, this should be a real focus in our classrooms. One of the biggest questions I get is, what do we do with our youngest kids? How do we get them started on concepts? How do we do the learning sequence framework? But the truth of the matter is, with those babies, we we don't start with all of those things. We start with speaking. We start with creating. We start with making music so that they have a context to draw upon from hearing and speaking the musical language so that they are fluent before they're being asked to read and write. We are constantly building that listening context, building that vocabulary. So what we teach as far as literacy is concerned has meaning rather than pieces of abstract information on the board. As one of our members inside of the Sequencing Solutions said, think about students who attend a language immersion school. Do they begin with vocab words listed on the board? Absolutely not. They are thrown into this world of constantly hearing and being surrounded by only that language into that new world of language, just the way that our itty bitty babies, before they learn to speak, are experiencing language all around them so they can experience it and process it before they are asked to create and produce. And with that full immersion comes that joy. With that full immersion comes that receptive language understanding and processing before kids ever speak. And with that full immersion comes the opportunity to draw upon positive music making experiences that lend themselves to meaningful music learning and independent music making. So all this to say, are my memories of my early music making experiences in formal education wrong? No. Is playing recorder the wrong way to teach music? Absolutely not. Is reading music from a textbook and playing a background track for kids to sing with the wrong way to teach music? No. Is creating beautiful performances and productions going to do your kids a disservice? Not at all. My only ask is that you think about where those activities are coming from and where they are leading to. Where do they fit into an overall puzzle of vocabulary building and music language immersion? Where are the opportunities for students to practice speaking before reading and writing? Are they exploring? Are they improvising? Are they doing things that they will be able to reproduce or use as tools to create independently later? It's all about intention. It's all about the larger context, and it's all about how you are going to use those individual tools to create a complete immersive language experience for your kids. So I would love to hear from you. I'd love to know what your earliest memory of music making is. Was it playing the recorder in the cold cafeteria like me? Was it something different? Is it the same way that you teach? Is it completely different from how you teach? What was it? send me an email or hit me up on Instagram and let me know. Until next time, guys. Thanks for spending this little pocket of your day with me. I know music teachers are super strapped for time, so be sure to check out all the resources on anacoustic.com for today's episode. Don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to today's podcast so you don't miss an episode of TAP. That way, you'll be notified each and every week when a new episode's live. And if you want even more tips and tricks delivered to your inbox, like a little love note from me to you, make sure you sign up for the Anacoustic newsletter and you'll be the first to know all the things. Also, if you are feeling today's episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd love you forever if you take a hot minute and leave a review. See you next time.